Everyone knows that putting money aside in savings is really important. But then what? Should you keep your savings locked in a CD for a higher rate or keep them liquid in a money market? Can your checking account help you save too? Or is it about creating the right combination? We believe real banking is a conversation. Let's talk about the savings options that are right for you. Learn more at sandyspringbank.com. Member FDIC. Me too. It was also the second ninth inning, I believe. Yes, it was. They'd already passed the second ninth inning. It was the 19th. (laughs) The the name Roberto Kelly, it's always got a word in the middle of it. It starts with an F. (laughs) It was a bad day. I mean, at some point, right? If you're coming up, your sixth time. Choke up a little. And welcome to Artificial Turf Wars, episode number 173, where we remember the Blue Jays always try to keep the playoffs at an appropriate social distance. I am back as your host, Greg Wisniewski, and I am joined, as usual, by the uh, incredibly indescribable Joshua Housem. Josh, how you doing? That was a good way of describing me. <laughs> See, it's it's true and false all at the same time. I'm doing well, thank you, though. As well as you know, as well as anyone else is doing right now. Yeah, yeah. It's been a, it's been a rough couple of weeks. It really has. It is it is honestly difficult to stay in a baseball mindset when all we have are rumors and speculation that seem to contradict one another about what is even going on with baseball at the moment. Yeah, it. Uh... There's a lot of weird stuff coming out. It seems like, you know, some kind of news one way or the other is going to come soon because the the league is presenting something to the players. But who knows how long anything's going to take after that. It also appears to have taken more than a day to present whatever it is that they were presenting, which seems like it's going to take a little while to, to sort out. Yep, that's not stopping the hot take reactions, though, before we even know what's in anything. So, as is our custom lately, we're going to forget all about that present, because uh, I think probably most people stay way too tuned into the news and everything. We're going to turn on the time machine. We're going to fire it up. Um, we've talked about uh, a lot of different different uh, things in Blue Jays history, and we thought we would, we would look at individual days, because, uh, you know, everybody has good and bad days. Uh, and sometimes a great player has a lousy day, and sometimes a, a, a mediocre player has a fantastic day. So we're going to look at some of the more standout single-game performances in Blue Jays history. I think it's a good plan. You know, we've talked about some good seasons on bad years, like good good player seasons in bad years, but not the you know the games that people remember or that stand out for some kind of special way, because you know those are part of what makes these terrible seasons that we've dealt with so many times you know makes it matter obviously not all these are going to be in bad seasons there are going to be some in years that where the jays did well but you know it's it's uh it is what it is <laughs> it's, it's some fun fun looks back so we're going to start with uh, the days where hitters had arguably uh 
in some cases the best day of their career, but certainly a day that they will not personally forget. I'm going to start actually from the bottom of your list up because the the one that's on the top is is obviously going to take the most of our attention here, the way you've ordered it. Um, George Bell, opening day, April 4th, 1988, coming off of his MVP 1987 season, right? That's right. Hits three home runs on opening day. And all three of them off Brett Saberhagen, who, you know, won the Cy Young in 85. And I think he may have won it in 87, too. Yeah. Well, Brett did have the curse of the even-numbered year. And maybe he can blame George Bell for that in 1988. <laughs> get you, get yeah. you off on the did, wrong foot. You know, yeah. He did He did not win it in 87, but he was an all-star. So, yeah. <laughs> um. So does that mean that George Bell had 50 home runs in a calendar year? Ooh, good question. So what was the date of that game again? April 4th? 4th, yeah. All right. Yeah, you know I got to check this, right? Yep. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I looked to spring one on you the, right off the top. Here's the thing you didn't look up beforehand. Ah. Not a chance. But, yeah, I mean, he was also <laughs> – it's funny. So he was the first guy to do this. And, yes, he, he did do it because the first game the year before was April 6th. So so the first – the calendar year. The first – yeah, to, to hit uh, 50 home runs over the course of – well – he had an extra game to do it, but the calendar year was George Bell. Um, also, he remains the only player to ever hit 50 home runs. Or sorry, th- three home runs, rather, on opening day. No, no, he doesn't. Um, he doesn't. Okay. He, he, the only Blue Jay player to do it. He's the, He was just the first one to do it. Um, three players have done it since. I know. I Sorry, I had that in our notes, and I screwed it up, and it made it really confusing. <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> so, yeah, it's happened three times since. Uh, and uh, But – we're talking about four times now in however many thousands of baseball games have been played. And he was the first to do it. So, and it was just like, talk about a statement too. Cause right after the, the way the 1987 season ended, it's like, all right, we're coming out firing. Yeah. It's a shame that that does not carry through 162 games. Like we said, though, sure this didn't. is about, this is about the good day. And he had a very, very good day. Um, someone else who had another good April, day in uh, 1994 the what would be the strike shortened season on april 8th devon white uh, became the only blue jay with a single a double and two triples yeah i mean so like we're we're going this in you know, a little different order because i was going to talk about these with relations to cycles but you know because we t- we'll, we'll get to the cycles but games like this Far more rare. First, the two-triple game. The Jays haven't had too many of those in their history. And then to add the single and the double, you know, I mean, Devon White's the type of player you would think would be able to do that because he did make enough contact and he did have the speed. But it's still like it's just an incredible day at the plate. Well, I mean, most guys are a triple shy of the cycle, right? That's the, the running joke in baseball is anybody can get to a triple shy. It's getting over that that last hurdle of the extremely difficult to hit triple. Um so the fact that you have two triples is just that alone. A two-triple game, like you said, is so weird. Um, to add a couple more hits on with it, that that's a wonderful day at the ballpark. I would, uh, I, I'm sure any guy would trade most of his days for that day. Yeah, I mean, you'd hope so. I, I assume he's proud of that one. I mean, it's just like it's one of those days that you know you, it's not signif- statistically significant because no one will like you said like we said like the cycle is usually the triple short but it's the cycle it's got a name this doesn't but it's you know that's why we're doing this podcast to highlight a really special day. Obviously, this should be called the tricycle. 
Ooh, I like it. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. I I've been trying my entire life to coin a baseball phrase. It has not panned out yet. No, well, you, there you go. You just broke some new ground. <laughs> yeah, everybody, get on that. Uh, of course, I've coined a phrase that will literally, literally only be used once. You know, every seven or eight years. Um, okay, so we move on to another way to not hit for the cycle, and this this one you've mentioned a few times uh, to me because it stands out because it was a mistake uh, the way it goes in the record books, it, which is Ed Sprague who did hit for the cycle, uh, but he didn't. You want to explain? <laughs> yeah, it's a good way, of, good way of teeing it up. So it was April 22nd, 1996. The Jays were playing at home against Seattle. It was a blow. The Jays won huge. Sprague, threw, in his first three times on base, he'd had the single, the triple, and the home run. And then he hit a fly ball to center, left center, that hit the top of the wall and came back. And Sprague got to second base. But the umpires miscalled it, and they really did a home run. So technically, he should have been for the cycle, but he didn't because he got an extra home run out of it instead, which, again, better than a cycle. They they stole a cycle. They stole um, a cycle from him in order to give him two bases. It's, it's quite an odd trade-off there. I, I would love to know. And, you know, we, we tried to reach out to Sprague. He's been on, on the podcast before, but just we couldn't get to him in time. And just, like... In retrospect, like the game was a blowout. They won easily. And it's not like Sprague had some home run issues. He had 36 home runs that year. I wonder if he would have preferred they got that one right. It, it does, yeah. Because, I mean, people would certainly talk about that game a lot more. No, Other than you, I don't think I've heard of anyone, you know, mention the, <laughs> the, the four-hit, two-home run game that, that Ed Sprague had in 96. Um Especially because Blue Jays historically have had a heck of a time hitting for the cycle compared to a lot of other franchises. Yeah, only three, which, I mean, they've only been around since the 70s, but that's still pretty low. That's, that's less than one every decade. Um, and I also find it ironic that Aaron Hill left to go to Arizona and then hit for the cycle twice in like two weeks. <laughs> I know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was ridiculous. It's like, come back here. Just come back here with that, and then we can put it in the books. But um, it does seem to be uh, an infielder thing, though, doesn't it? I mean, if you look at the Blue Jays' history, it certainly is. <laughs> it makes some sense because, you know, infielders are usually the guys you think of being a little quicker. Well, middle infielders, which they aren't all of that in this situation. But, um, yeah, it's, it's just worked out that way. I guess when they have three, you're going to get a small subset. <laughs> so... Uh, April 16th, 1989, first cycle was? Oh, it's Kelly Gruber. <clears throat> the, the, he, you know, he had that one for a long time. We were just like, he was the only Blue Jay to hit a cycle. It, I mean, it lasted for a while. Yeah, till, uh it says here, August 17th, 2001. So 12 years to get to um, the next cycle, which was Jeff Fry, which I, I think everybody who has seen the highlights remember that for... I don't know if it was a specific reason, but Kelly Gruber was in attendance at the game. Yeah. And so, but, and it's very funny because both of their cycles, the same thing happened where they had the single, the triple and the homer and they hit a ball that was a stand up double and stopped at first. Even to the point where uh, Gruber tells the story of being told to stop at first by his first base coach because he wasn't so really was paying Jeff attention. Wright. Yeah, when Jeff like it's very funny if you go see if you go watch the clip of it, Jeff Fry is running to first and he's like looking at the coach with his arms out like, what do I do? What do I do? <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Oh, Gruber was apparently like, what, what, what are you doing? Why did I, huh? And the coach is like, the cycle, you got the cycle. He's like, oh, okay. I didn't even think about it. Um, That's funny. Yeah. Just like he was just having a good day. I mean, (laughs) which it was, I'm sure. Uh, And then probably the highlight of the 2019 season for some people, certainly for Kevin Biggio, September 19th, he has a double single and a home run going into his final plate appearance yeah i mean when that happens it's like it's like okay you know whatever he's got he yeah it's like he's the the triple it's like the hard one he's a triple shy he's just a triple shy (laughs) when 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 someone says you're a triple shy of the cycle it's like everyone rolls their eyes just a little bit (laughs) (laughs) he did he finished it off with the triple which is such a boss way to get a cycle. That's, I mean, clutch. And it's not, you know, obviously you're, uh, you're not holding up on a home run. There's no way to do that uh, under normal circumstances. Um, and nope. it's a heck of a thing to try and stretch a double into a triple. So you, you really have to get lucky uh, to, to make that all work out in that final plate appearance. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, it, it worked out. I mean, you know, it's always nice when you're facing Baltimore pitching and you, you know, you're going to possibly get some good hit, but it was Michael Givens. I mean, who was their only halfway decent pitcher and yeah, it was, it was magical. I mean, like, especially cause like you said, like the season, you know, the chase sucked in, in last year. They were, I mean, they were terrible. They had their most losses in years, but, uh, but it worked and they, uh, and he got the cycle, which you know, it's always fun. So yeah, a little feather in his cap for the rest of his career. Absolutely. So we move on to a different category now that we've covered the extremely uh, in-depth and long history of cycles and not quite with the Blue Jays, which amounted to five guys. (laughs) It feels like not very many. Uh, To nine RBIs in a game, uh, which first happened in the Blue Jays inaugural season. Near the end of it, September 10th, 1977, Roy Howell... We want to tell us how Roy Howell managed to, to scrape nine RBIs out of the box score? Well, I mean, so as people kind of remember, the Jays in 1977 were historically terrible. And they didn't have a lot of fun things to cheer for. But, you know, Roy Howell, he uh, decided to give them a little something special. Because, you know, I mean, not too many people get nine RBIs in a game. He had, uh, it was, they're facing the Yankees too. So it was kind of a special one. He had two homers. And two doubles, and he had a, I think it was a three-run homer actually, and a solo shot. It wasn't like it was a grand slam or anything like that, but it was off Catfish Hunter. So it's like, hey, like this guy did something really cool against a Hall of Famer who shouldn't be in the Hall of Fame. <laughs> <laughs> no That's, editorializing there. <laughs> there's a funny, funny noise that came out after you said Hall of Famer there. I don't know, some weird static or something. <laughs> Should um, not be Hall. It it took all the way though from 1977 to 2015 to equal that feat. So I mean, nine RBIs is not an easy thing to manage, um, and it was Edwin Encarnacion, which I think entirely would be a guy I would expect to put on your nine RBIs list. Yeah, I mean, this is he was the RBI king for the Blue Jays forever. I mean, th- and this is a game that nobody forgets. <laughs> I mean, it it's funny the Jays have had numerous three home run games in their you know, in their history, I mean, these like 20 people have done it, but Edwin's was the first time people threw hats on the field. 
Yeah, I I think part of it was um, in 2015 by August 29th that the stadium was packed um, with people maybe who hadn't seen it or hadn't been to a baseball game. So there was a lot of excitement around the team, which you mm, know looked point. very much like it was playoff bound. Um, and and I mean I'm not saying all those people were hockey fans, but sort of I think when everybody got amped up and and if I mean if there's 10,000 people in the stands, which August 29th that happened many many years i think if 10 people throw hats everyone goes well that's nice it's a, you know, whatever but you got fifty thousand people and you know 100 300 400 people throw their hat all of a sudden i think mob mentality takes over what was your favorite part of of the aftermath of that uh you know hats on the field um sort of half disaster because they didn't know how to pick them all up well, I mean, that was the funniest part is they didn't know what the heck to do because it was totally unusual. But then Edwin, like you're saying, he was going to sign them and give them back. I mean, that's... Yeah, that was my favorite. It's like, Edwin, how how are you going to logistically... <laughs> <laughs> like, I mean, it's nice that you don't... You understand you don't really have a use for a couple hundred hats, <laughs> as it were. But <laughs> like people, people, you can... What, you can text me, tell me what your hat looked like. I will. Uh, I'll try and send it back to you. Yeah, I. Yeah, I, wanna, I, I wish I'd actually seen some follow up on that. Like, how well did he really do in this in this endeavor? Uh, but okay, you you asked how Howell got it done. Edwin did it in a boss way. It was three run homer, two run homer, grand slam. <laughs> so that's very close to the home run cycle, which of course is almost impossible to do because it's almost impossible to hit four home runs. Um, but yeah, a home run cycle would be a solo shot, two run homer, three run homer, grand slam, right? Yep. Uh, I mean, probably as close as uh, we'll see for many, many years to come. So now we get into some other really impressive, uh, feats that I don't think have, I mean, they don't have categories. Melky Cabrera got on base eight times August 10th, 2014. So, Let's think about all the things that have to happen before you even get a chance to get on base eight times. Yeah. Uh, the game has to go to extra innings. <laughs> Pretty much. I mean, I mean, I guess you could... So you would probably get lifted if you were in a blowout and managed to get eight plate appearances to, say, the leadoff spot, right? Yeah. I mean, I, and I'd, even, I'd have to be an extreme blowout if you get eight plate appearances and it, it, without you know, going to extra innings, something like it had to be really, really unusual. And, you know, like, it's like, well, how many runs do you have to score? 30? I mean, that's happened. The team has scored 30 runs in a game before, but I, I can't see how it would be easy to do that. I mean, you don't just have to go to extra innings. You have to go to extra innings. This game went 19 innings. Which was, uh, at the time, the longest game in Blue Jays history, right? Is it still? Or is there the one longer? No, I think that's it still. Um, so on that, that, that day, also, you have to be in a position to not ever get pinch run for, not get injured and not get pinch hit for. Yeah. And you have to hit at the top of the lineup too, which he did. He was hitting second. Uh, which is, I mean, it, it helps you if you, uh, this was when Melky Cabrera wasn't slow as anything. Well, he still wasn't fast at this point. <laughs> <I> mean... <laughs> um, but yeah, so that included five walks. That's the amazing part of it. I mean, Melky Cabrera <laughs> walked a little bit, but it wasn't really his like forte. I mean, he he walked enough to be valuable, but um, five in a game. I mean, and three hits. I mean, that's that's incredible. 
And what I remember about Melky Cabrera was, I believe at the time he set the Blue Jays single month hit record when he came, uh, I think it was in his first season. He got like 48 hits or something in May or it, it was some crazy number of hits. And I was like, oh, this guy just puts the bat on the ball. And then you look at this game and you're like, and also walks all the time? I don't understand what's going on. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, it's just a magical one. And it's funny, the last one was an intentional walk to get to Jose Bautista for some godforsaken reason. <laughs> I mean, it, it, the reason was because it was second and third and it, and it was the ninth inning and it was X bottom of extra inning, so they wanted to load the bases. But <laughs> I still probably pitched to Melky. No, me too. It was also the second ninth inning, I believe. Yes, it well, it was they'd already passed the second ninth inning. It was the nineteenth. <laughs> huh. So it was like the, it was the first inning for the third game that they played. Uh, yeah, I I can't. Uh, I love those games in principle, but I cannot usually stomach all nineteen innings of them. I oh, got God I, no. I think I got to the seventeenth or eighteenth in one of them, uh, one of those marathons, and I was like, okay, well, this is this is the one time when it started early enough on Sunday afternoon that I'm going to be awake for the whole thing. <laughs> I remember when the Jays had that 18 inning game. Oh, try those words again. <laughs> the 18 inning game on Canada Day, because like my parents were going to come over. We were going to have dinner with it was it was with my parents and me and my my wife. We were going to have dinner and then go watch some fireworks together. And then they're like, we're going to have to push postpone dinner because they're at the game. <laughs> and then eventually like, they're like, we're leaving. We'll watch it at the at the restaurant. <laughs> yeah, d- dinner if it was a home cooked meal is already fricasseed by the time you get anywhere uh near the end of the game uh okay so next accomplishment we have uh f cat frank catalanato with six hits in a game only jay who's ever done it yeah only 14 i think of of uh oh no only 14 blue jays have ever even reached base six times but like six hits and he was six for six too it wasn't like six for nine in a bunch of extra inning games it's just, I mean, just a fantastic performance. And if, but like, if you were going to pick a Blue Jay in this era to do it, wouldn't it be him? Yeah, I mean, for putting the bat on the ball, Frank Catalanato seems to be the name that comes up over and over and over again. I, I mean, in the in the early two thousands, Blue Jays, like you said, where a lot of things went wrong. <laughs> yeah, I mean, because like they obviously had guys who could hit. Like, guy, we're going to mention it in a second, but. Uh, and Shannon Stewart, who actually Shannon Stewart has, we didn't put it on this list, but he he's one of only a few players to get to have two games of four extra base hits in a season, which was one of my daily trivia questions today. Um, but yeah, I mean, Frank Helenado just hit. I mean, he, he one of the best pure hitters, the Blue Jays, you know, like average contact hitters, right? He's not a power guy, but mm-hmm. one of the best they've had. Yeah, absolutely. And and this is one that does show up on the Blue Jays highlight reels when when retrospectives are done. And rightly so. I mean, it's yeah. still the only six-hit game in Blue Jay history. Yeah, I mean, and that, there's a reason we went in this order. Like as you said, like we're giving to the ones that people recognize. Uh well, aside from the the opening day home run, that one gets m- mentioned too. But yeah, it, six hits is going to come up a lot. Uh and I will let you intro the 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 arguably the greatest single day hitting accomplishment in Blue Jays history. Is it arguable? <laughs> I mean, the, um, the inarguably the greatest single um, uh, Blue Jays hitting day. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's funny. So we're, I think people can probably guess by now what we're talking about. <laughs> um, 
you know, this was getting towards the end of Carlos Delgado's tenure in Toronto. I mean, he had one more year, but, you know, the team was in some sort of bit of a transition period. And it was the end of the season against against the Tampa Bay Rays. And it was the last, oh, no, actually they had three more home games after this. But, yeah, I mean, Delgado, four at-bats, four home runs. And I remember the announcers freaking out when he hit the third one. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a three home run game for Carlos Delgado. Unbelievable. And then he just, in his fourth one, it was like, he, they were all bombs too. Like in the fourth one went off uh, the top of windows restaurant. As, as you do, if you're Carlos Delgado. Yeah. I mean, that's true. Carlos Delgado was kind of a, a legend when it came to the huge home runs in Toronto. Uh, I mean, I just, they couldn't do anything against him. And, and what's crazy too about this is that these home runs, the first one put the Jays ahead, the second one further their lead, and then the third one tied the game, and the fourth <laughs> one put them uh, uh, also tied the game. So like <laughs> he had he had one go ahead, one extending a lead, and two game tying home runs, including in the bottom of the eighth, which the Jays ended up winning the game. How many guys do you think in go an entire season without uh, a lead giving and two game tying home runs? Lots. <laughs> <laughs> One day. Um, so not to take anything away from Carlos, obviously, because he did hit the the four home runs, and uh, that's more difficult to do than a perfect game. Yep. Think about that. Uh, but do you remember Adam Lynn's three home run game in Boston? I do. Do you remember them hitting him with a pitch in his final plate appearance? Yes. And that was so, so <laughs> bad. I don't think I've ever been madder about a hit by pitch in my life, which is hilarious. Ugh, I, I, like, I don't think Jay's Twitter was a thing back then. Oh, no. No, I think it was. I think we're because we'd be in in 2000. 2009 it would have been yeah maybe 2010 pretty sure i was on eh, maybe i wasn't on twitter yet i still I remember was not. i do remember internet comment sections were a thing they sure were and they were spitting fire for like three days afterwards yeah i mean it's just it's just so unfortunate it's like come on like really this you couldn't just like challenge the guy to get a hit. Yeah. Stupid Papelbon too, because like people hated Jonathan Papelbon to begin with. It, it was everything I hated about being a Blue Jays fan in two thousand and nine, encapsulated in one game. It sure was. <laughs> All one right, moment I, specifically. Yeah, I've 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 completely detoured off of Carlos Delgado. So, uh, like I said, not to diminish that accomplishment because it it absolutely stands out as one of the most unique things that a batter can do in baseball and uh he was very 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 fortunate to have done that um quite the display you also have that uh you know there were at least four more times when he got an opportunity to uh to do that because he had four more three home run games with toronto is is that the most not only is it the mm -hmm. most um so it's tied his five three home run games is tied for the american league record and since Mookie Betts just got traded to Boston, it's still safe for a little bit. From Boston, but yes. 
That's what I meant. Yeah, straight away from Boston. Um, yeah, Sammy Sosa and someone who's escaping me both have six, but all in the all in the National League. Oh. Yeah, and like Delgado also did them all with one team, which only Betts did as well. So that's kind of that's kind of cool. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, definitely talks about how it's one of those where people go, "How is Carlos not in the Hall of Fame?" It's like because uh, there's a lot of other things that factor into going into the Hall of Fame. None of not all of which are fair. Yeah, I mean, he's miffed that he didn't even last on the ballot, which he has every right to be. I and mean, he that's nuts. But is he got he he came into the Hall of Fame at the absolute worst time. Yep. All right. So we move over to the pitching side. You think? We think. Yeah. Uh. Okay. I, I, I'm thinking about going bottom up again, or or do we want to start with uh, immaculate? You can is do this... whatever order you want. You can well, even jump around. I'll I'll be able to follow you. All right, we'll start with Immaculate Innings, because I think Immaculate Innings are cool. I'm assuming that's what uh, what we start yes, with. That that Rogers. Is... Roger yeah. Clemens, September 18th, 1997, first inning against Boston, which is the best bit. Strikes out the side on nine pitches. Talk about like a statement. <laughs> <laughs> Not only, of course, as you mentioned, is it Clemens against Boston, which was always just awesome. But it's like, you guys are just not not doing anything today sorry just don't even bother <laughs> i have my three strikeouts and i haven't wasted any any pitches on you because it would be a waste to try and you know get you to swing at, at, at anything else you, you're you know you're going down i'm taking you down uh, yeah the perfect the perfect tone setter is the immaculate first inning it really is and uh, it was on my birthday well there you go <laughs> I always forget that your my your birthday and my wife's birthday are the same day. Oh, I, I forgot that too. Obviously, uh, Steve Delabar, who his his star with the Blue Jays shone briefly but brightly. I would have to say, raise the bar. Um, yeah. So we're gonna get to this, but who cares? I'll spoil it now. Yeah, there aren't a lot of people who have an immaculate <laughs> inning. And a four strikeout inning. And he has a. <laughs> I think it's been done by eight people ever. And one of them is Steve Delabar. <laughs> yeah, it's I mean, considering the number of innings he had in which to accomplish those two feats. And remember, you have to be wild enough to cause a, a pass ball third strike or wild pitch third strike um, to get the four strikeout inning. And you have to be precise enough to only throw nine pitches and get three strikeouts, which those two things are at odds with one another to begin with. He did it in what less than like even five hundred innings in the bigs. I bet. Yeah, way way less. That's just weird. Cool, <laughs> but weird. It's baseball. <laughs> Steve Delaware's career was one hundred ninety four innings. Wow. Which, which included two of the most unusual accomplishments in strikeouts. Yep. Uh, yeah. So, and and then the last, the last was Thomas Pannone, who did it uh, April fourteenth of this year, where I mean, or of twenty nineteen, where you you may have believed that things were going to go well for Thomas Pannone this year. Yeah, it was early in the season. Nick and I were were actually at this game, and we had no idea he'd done it. <laughs> Just no clue. Because it was like the the sixth inning and Stroman had gotten knocked out early and it was the Rays and we're just like uh we're just, we're just chatting and then he strikes out the side and we're like oh he just struck out the side and then it's like wait wait a minute 
did did anybody foul anything off? <laughs> did he did he did he throw a ball? You know, yeah, you're racking your brain. Did he throw a ball? Did he? And then it's like uh, you pull up game day on the phone, like holy crap, it was in a foul <laughs> inning. Or, so I remember watching on, t- on TV Steve Delabar um, do it, uh, and the inning was over, and there was a pause, and I'm pretty sure Buck Martinez was the one. He goes, and that. Was an immaculate inning. <laughs> like <laughs> he goes nine nine pitches, nine strikes. We'll be right back after this. It was <laughs> like <laughs> because That's of pretty funny. the way it happens, it's like if you even if you realize it, it's tough to pump it up. Um because it, it doesn't seem all that likely, even when you are one pitch away from doing it. No, it I mean, it's extremely unusual, right? That no one three but he did it in so yeah, you can't hype it. Otherwise, <laughs> by the way, so I just have to. I just have to finish this off. Though the the biggest boss one ever. It's not a Blue Jays one. Randy Johnson finished off as was it? I think it was his perfect game or his three hundred strikeout or something like that with immaculate inning. <laughs> <laughs> oh, doing it right. Um, so, but, but, but Steve Delabar's four strikeout inning. I I actually was nerding out and I wrote an article specifically about this because he did it against the White Sox. Um, the thing that I found incredible about the four strikeout inning was his splitter was working so well that even watching everybody else swing over it and the catcher miss it repeatedly, he still managed to strike out four guys with it. Yeah. I mean, he, he was just unhittable for like that one calendar year. The people were like, my God, we got him for Eric Thames. And now you'd say that and be like, oh, we gave up on Eric Thames too early. <laughs> Baseball is a fickle, fickle mistress. Yeah, so what it sure were, is. What was Mike Bolsinger's secret in uh, July of 2017? Oh, jeez. Um, oh, I mean, his secret didn't last long. He only had one more outing <laughs> in the bigs. Jeez, uh, Mike Bolsinger. He had a good curveball, right? I mean, that's that's sort of what. Uh, what kept him around as long as it was he was because he didn't throw overly hard. I mean, but uh, against the Red Sox too, and you know when the Red Sox were amazing. Yeah, I mean, you again, you don't have to be a great pitcher to have a great inning, um, and it's arguable that even a four strikeout inning is great because your catcher is not helping you <laughs> in the four strikeout inning. Your catcher is 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 causing you more work at some point. Yeah, I mean, it's like you you kind of hit on it, though. It's like you have to have nasty enough stuff that that someone will swing at it, but it'll be uncatchable. Yeah, and and, and possibly, yeah, more than once. Um, but get Mike Bolsinger. But hey, you know, I mean, <laughs> you bounce that curveball. It is what it is. Uh, so now we get into the, a weird one, but nevertheless, a significant accomplishment. How many times can you get... And can you pick off runners in a game before they stop wandering off base? And what is the answer to that question? Four. <laughs> Definitively. <laughs> four is the record. So, yes, it is four. <laughs> Jerry Garvin. Yeah, this, yeah, rookie in 1977. So, rookie on the rookie team. And it was early, too. It was May 25th. They hadn't played a lot of games then. And he picked up four guys. Tell me Jerry Garvin's left-handed. He is, yes. He also has the record for, <laughs> for pickoffs in a season at 22 that year. Uh, the old adage, every every pickoff is a balk, and every balk is a pickoff. 
Yeah, well, it, it probably was, especially back then. Like, box weren't even, a, like, they were barely called ever. <laughs> Indeed. Yeah, um, but it's like, you look at the box score, it's like, caught stealings. It's like, Larry Lintz, Jerry Garvin, pick off caught stealing. Rodney Scott, Jerry Garvin, pick off caught stealing. <laughs> pick offs, Dick Allen, first base by Jerry Garvin. Earl Williams, first base by Jerry Garvin. Not a common thing. It's only happened twice that someone has had four pickoffs in a game, and one of them was Blue Jay. As a first base coach, do you feel like a royal idiot by the end of that game? How do you not? <laughs> and you know what's funny? Like, one of them was in the 10th inning. Like, he pitched into the 10th. It's like, stand on the base. <laughs> 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 we are in extra innings. We do not want to give up base runners. Stand on the base. Oh, man. All right. Moving on to the other term I've attempted to coin, which has not caught on, is uh, September 6th, 2003, Roy Halladay, who is on a lot of lists of really cool things. Uh, but this one, I still think, is his coolest single game accomplishment. In a way, it to me, it is cooler than a no-hitter. Uh, not that it's better than a no-hitter, but... It's rarer. <laughs> yep. He threw well, 10, 10 innings shut out less than 100 pitches. That's a Maddox, except it's in 10 innings. So I think that should be called a holiday. Well, I mean, I totally agree with you because, I mean, pitch counts have not been counted forever, but since they have been, this is the only time it's happened. Yeah, I, I cannot imagine the efficiency with which he approached Detroit that day. No, I mean, it's crazy. I mean, 99 pitches is what it took. And the game was one nothing. I mean, it's not, it's, it's not like he had, he had literally no margin for error. And obviously he didn't have any errors because he gave up only four base runners all day. Uh, and yeah, 99 pitches, 10, ga 10 inning complete game shutout. And he is the only pitcher since pitch counts have been included as a stat to ever do that. So I have also been trying to retweet it whenever I see you do it because it should be called the holiday. All right. We're, there's two of us. Phrase almost coined. We just need one more person on board. All of you out there in, in podcast land. All right. So we talk a lot about how Dave Steve in the last few uh, editions of the podcast has gotten the short end of the stick in various ways um, from lack of award recognition to, uh, you know, the playoff, never, never making the playoff uh, picture the way that some of his future teammates would, et cetera, et cetera. Dave Steve and the no-hitter was the worst dance of all pitchers, I think, who have ever, ever flirted with the no-hitter. I mean, it's he, the guy must have felt like the most snake-bitten pitcher ever. <laughs> <clears throat> because, okay, so he, he first lost a no-hitter in the ninth inning, and in, I think it was in 85. It was, there was nobody out in the ninth, and it's like, well, you know, that happens. That's just part of pitching i mean uh what's it, uh, dustin mcgowan lost a no-hitter with no outs in the ninth he still had to get three more so it's not but then <laughs> september 1988 happened and the guy was just like who which baseball god do i have to sacrifice something to because he lost no hitters with two outs in the ninth in back-to-back -back starts now and uh, go ahead did he win both of those games so I Those feel two like he did. Okay. It's the, it's the, it's the next one that I'm pretty <laughs> sure he did. Um, 
But no, but so here, here's how he lost the two no hitters. It's not only just they lost them, but it's like this is where the baseball god thing comes in. The first one <clears throat> was a ground ball to Manny Lee. He took a bad bounce and went over him. The second one was a broken bat flare over first base. <laughs> so that's two no hitters lost with two outs in the ninth. And both of them, like he did not give up a hit. He gave up, like he beat the hitter on both of them and his no hitter went away. <laughs> it is hard to believe. And then August 4th, 1989 comes around and he's got a perfect game with two outs in the ninth. Against, you know, the Yankees. And, oh my goodness. Like this, this game, it like haunted Blue Jays fans. Would you like to discuss oh, it a little better? Yeah, well, all you. <laughs> okay. Um, so if you just say the name like Roberto Kelly, well, he did win this one. So it was the 85 when they lost. But uh, the, the name Roberto Kelly, it's always got a word in the middle of it. It starts with an F. <laughs> that we, we tend not to repeat on this podcast, <laughs> but we can avoid it. Yeah. Um, but first, like Holiday got, or sorry, Holiday, Dave Steve got squeezed. He should have struck Kelly out on previous pitch. And then in two strikes, two outs in a perfect game, Kelly lined one down the line and for, for a double. And then he ended up scoring. He, Steve, you have another hit after that. So that's what it was. He didn't lose. But he lost the no hitter and the shutout in back to back batters. The perfect game and the shutout. So by September of, um, 1990 did it seem even possible that um dave steve was ever going to throw a no-hitter you know it's funny like <laughs> the answer is like if a guy's getting that deep into no into games with a no-hitter it's like yeah he's probably going to eventually get one well not probably but his chances are better than the average guy but if you were like a blue jays fan following it's like no no chance it's never going to happen <laughs> But nevertheless, uh, he he did turn it around and get that final out, which I, I the the look of relief on his face in all of that highlight footage is something else. Also, the announcer is like, "He's finally done it." <laughs> can, can you imagine saying that about someone throwing a no hitter? Yeah, he's been trying for ages. He's finally gotten around to it. Really, you know, you it's just tough. know. Yeah, you just know that, like, that I think it was Junior Felix who caught the fly ball. Um, that, yeah, it was Junior Felix. That, uh, he was just thinking, oh, God, like, he, he's, he's going to fall down or the wind's <laughs> going to blow it away from him or something like that. Uh, but he didn't, but it didn't. And, uh, it was an out. My, my favorite thing to happen at Cleveland's Municipal Stadium. But I mean, that's not really hard to, to have <laughs> Long a list. favorite. Yeah, exactly. Uh, might even be some Cleveland fans' favorite thing to happen at Cleveland Municipal Stadium. <sighs> All right. Two more games. Um, well, also, that is still the only no-hitter in Blue Jays history. It is. Which is also crazy. It's like we're, the team is allergic to uh, cycles and no-hitters. Um, <laughs> allergic to history. Yeah, well, yeah. Uh, but they did win two World Series, so not all history. Brandon Morrow... August 8th, 2010. Why are Aaron Hill's arms not longer is the question I think you and I are both asking. 
<laughs> why isn't his sliding ability a little bit better, his hand-eye coordination? Or why is Lyle Overbay's defense not just a little bit better so that Evan Longoria never would have come up because <laughs> Longoria made an error early in the game? Uh, regardless, we're talking about a game where Brandon Morrow showed what I think everyone dreamed Brandon Morrow could be every start, which was 17 strikeouts. And that one hit that we're talking about was a bounding ball through the right-hand side that kicked off of Aaron Hill's glove. Yeah. With two outs in the ninth again. <laughs> it's like, it's just, just, you know, the Jays are not allowed to have history. But uh, so there were like a little over 11,000 people in the stands. I, I happened to be one of them. I was there with my sister. Um, I've never heard 11,000 people be that loud. They were so behind Morrow, just trying to will him to complete that no hitter, and then the collective ah, <laughs> the ball. Uh, and oh. he certainly was a well over a hundred pitches by the end of that game, which was something that they had been trying to avoid with Morrow as well. Um, yeah. So you could you could see that you know everyone wanted the next pitch to be the last pitch. But also, the Jays were only up one to nothing. So, like, <laughs> the game was very much in, in in the balance when Longoria, like, he's the tying run on first base. Yeah. And then, I, uh, then got the strikeout to finish it. All I remember about that game is stress and being impressed. But mostly stress. And I remember a lot of people begging for an official score to rule a clear hit and error. <laughs> yeah. Like, no, it is what it is. Still got the Bill James game score of 100 the first time a Blue Jay had ever done that. Only uh, time. Also, also exceedingly difficult to do. Yeah. The next game we're going to talk about, in my mind, should be game score of 100 because the game score calculation treats singles as twice as detrimental as a walk, which is kind of silly. But... Yeah, go ahead. I'll let you tee it up. That game is August 25th, 1998. Roger Clemens against the Kansas City Royals. Obviously, it's going to be a complete game. Uh, yeah. Three hits only in a club record 18 strikeout performance. Yeah, three hits shutout. And... I mean, the Royals were just awful. So, you know, it was kind of unfair. This was Roger Clemens at the height of his powers <laughs> facing the Kansas City Royals. And, you know, what you expected to happen is what happened. He struck out every batter who came to the plate at least once. Um, Johnny Damon and Terry Pendleton and Sal Fasano. Hey, Sal Fasano. Um, three times <laughs> each. I mean, he had a game's worth of strikeouts against three hitters. And, yeah, just 18 strikeouts, three hits, no walks. I mean, it's just an incredible performance. And it just one of many. So it was just like, well, what a what a run he had here. I would like to hear about that game. Like, you hear about the Nolan Ryan seventh no-hitter from the perspective of the Blue Jays. The Devon White um, coming back to the dugout after the first uh, – his first plate appearance and going – it, it, it's not happening tonight, guys. <laughs> He's got the good yeah. stuff. I, I'm curious to know what the Kansas City Royals thought when they went up against Roger Clemens that day. Well, yeah, especially because the first inning, the first batter was strikeout, pop-up, strikeout. And just like no one actually, the only guy who hit made contact, even on a foul ball, was the pop-up. Just like, oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> not where you want to be. And then the second inning was strikeout, strikeout, strikeout. So it's like, um, do we have to go to the plate? <laughs> well, the, you know, there's a certain point at which you start thinking um, he can't strike everybody out, can he? Because that, you know, he can't, he can't just get us all every time. Um, <laughs> and he didn't. Yeah. He just no. almost did. Two per no. 
yeah you you readjust your uh your sights though as a as an offense i'm sure and that's that is i guess the ultimate statement of dominance for a pitcher is when you're just thinking okay just get on base see if we can just yeah. get on base and just a quick thing like so commons uh, he has more 15 strikeout games than all other blue jays in history combined and more 14 strikeout games than all other blue jays in history combined and he was and here I for two years for two years yeah, I think it might be 13 as well, but I haven't che- I, I haven't checked that. I think it might be. It's insane. Yeah. Just insane. Uh, all right. So we, we try and focus on the good. So we've, we've given you a good 45 minutes of this is the good stuff. But truly, there have been days in Blue Jays history where things have gone just just so wrong that they are almost as notable as what's gone right. Yeah. Um you know, you play enough games, you're going to have some really bad ones, and the Jays have some truly bad ones in their history. So, John Mayberry Sr., October 4th, 1980, went 0 for 8 and reached on an error his only time on base. Uh, yeah. Yeah, that's, I, I don't even know what to say. Well, this so this was like a bizarre, bizarre game because the game went to 17 innings. And you, you mentioned this when we were talking offline. Alfredo Griffin went one for nine. <laughs> uh, Garth Orge was one for seven. And John Maryberry was 0 for eight in the cleanup spot. And they won. <laughs> Um, and then there was, I was also looking at that lineup and, uh, Barry Bonnell, who I didn't even know who he was as a Blue Jay. He also had a negative contribution to the wins and went two for eight with a home run. So even, even though he had a home run, he somehow managed to reduce the team's chances of winning over his eight plate appearances. Yeah. He must like by win probability <laughs> added, he, he must've come up in some like bases loaded one out bottom of the ninth, 10th, 11th, 12th, 13th, you know, one of those innings. Yeah. So just just a horrible, horrible performance from Mayberry. But he was surrounded by other people also not able to execute. And it didn't matter. They won anyway. Thank you, Shaker. Um, <laughs> yeah, he's the only Blue Jay ever to go 0 for 8, in eight with, uh, without getting a walk or like with eight, eight plate appearances without getting a hit. All right. Uh, the other one was Alex Gonzalez, the first one. In September 9th, 1998, uh, became the only position player ever to go zero for six. All six were strikeouts. Yeah, you don't want to ever be the only person ever to do something bad. (laughs) (laughs) He is. Uh, So it's only two people have ever done it. And one of them was a pitcher in 1911. Which, I mean, yeah, is long enough ago to not be irrelevant. Yeah, and it was a bad day. I mean, at some point, right, if, you know, you're coming up your sixth time. Choke up a little. For, <laughs> no, as you said, if you're over for 5 with five strikeouts, um, do you even have a chance in that sixth time? You're going to be so far into your head. <laughs> you just, got, like, yeah. just bunt. I mean, like... Yeah. <laughs> Now, to be fair, yeah. Alex Rios tried to get Alex Gonzalez off the hook as he had he struck out five times in two separate occasions in 2006 and 2009. 
Yeah, the only one to go to go down five times twice. So he did his best to lodge Alex Rios <laughs> or Alex Gonzalez from the the history books. Maybe just the two Alexes at the top there, but uh, couldn't, couldn't quite it. get it done. Couldn't nope. do it. Uh, so pitchers, I think, are probably more prone than hitters to having no good, very bad days at the office because it takes a hitter a whole day to build up something abysmal, whereas a pitcher can have it. One inning can ruin your whole outing, right? Especially sure if you can. haven't to start the game or, you know, things, uh, the bullpen's not warmed up and you have to stay out there. So, uh, David Wells, August 20th, 1992. I assume you put this on here because it is the most runs ever allowed by a starting pitcher in Blue Jays history. That is why I put it there, yes. 13 runs. And somehow he was out there for four and a third. I don't get it. I mean, like... It's. I, I looked at the game log. It doesn't really make. It's not like it was just like home run, home run, home run, home run, and it's like, oh crap, we got to get someone up, and there's no time. No, it was just like he just got slaughtered, and they just like they wanted to eat it. I guess I don't know. You never know how tired the bullpen was, because of course there was there were not nearly as many people in the bullpen in August of 1992 as we see these days. No, there there were not. Um, but Dave Stewart did did arguably worse in May of 1993. Uh, only only because it took him an inning and a third to allow 10 runs. I mean, that's pretty special in terms <laughs> of its badness. I mean, 10 runs without even getting two innings. That's it's, like uh, Blue, Blue Jay Edwin Jackson territory. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> but it is. I mean, it's that on a per inning basis from a starting pitcher it's the worst it's the worst most amount of runs in like over an inning uh okay so both of those were on world series winning teams so i think that takes the sting out of it possibly yeah uh, i'm sure it does <laughs> now when we we interviewed pat henkin um he talked about making your starts and and getting out um and he i think he epitomized that june 26 1997 because he managed an eight-inning performance. I don't know who was leaving him in for eight innings because he allowed 11 runs. And so I, this one I I was particularly baffled by because, like, okay, like 11 runs. Like, did he give up, you know, like a, a grand slam and then another home run right after that or something? He entered the eighth inning. He'd given up nine runs already. And then he gave up two more with nobody out and they let him finish the inning <laughs> the butchers were down 11 to 6 it's a, i don't get it maybe they thought it was a lost cause at that point i don't know i mean maybe uh, <laughs> well it's ironic it's, if they did because you have here that the jays lost 13 12 yeah they came back and almost won it um yeah i, I don't i just don't understand the thinking i mean he his pitch count isn't included. I don't know why. And so like, I, I was trying to find out like what could he possibly have been, been the reason for doing it. But I mean, the Jays bullpen wasn't horrible then. And yeah, like it just, they just let him just eat it. Like it's just, they were losing nine, six after seven and he went back out and gave up two more. He went triple home run to start the eighth to make it 11, six. And they let him finish the inning and he gave up another base runner. I don't. Yeah. The times were, different back then he did he said cedo liked to trust his starters he told us that so our very last horrible no good bad day at the office is actually a reliever um who i 
I loved Jason Grilly and he loved the Blue Jays and I loved him when he was when he was a reclamation project that worked out for the Blue Jays. It was pretty awesome in in 2016, I guess. Um, yeah. But then 2017 came and things were not working out so well for Mr. Grilly and they were just keeping him so that they didn't have to give up on that promotion where they gave away grills or t-shirts or flippers or whatever for the grill. Yeah, yeah, the fire up the grilly thing. There's yeah. like a barbecue apron or something. Um I mean Father Time caught up with Grilly. <laughs> It was... All at once, Josh. <laughs> <laughs> well, it had started to catch up with him before this, and then it was just like it grabbed him and tackled him to the ground. <laughs> uh, so he comes in, he gives up a, a Brett Gardner home run. Everyone's like, ah, crap, another home run. Because he had given up a few that week. And then he gets two outs. It's, it's good, it's good. Then Matt Holiday goes deep. Then Starlin Castro. Yep. And Didi Gregorius. And... And and by the Gregorius home run, I think I was just like, just put everybody out of their misery, please, with Mr. Grilly. Yeah, it's like just just release him, just l- let him go. His ERA yeah, like, ballooned to eight point one five. Just let him keep give him his check, absolutely, but just let him keep walking out of the ballpark. <sighs> they actually let him play, pitch four more times before finally, finally, mercifully waving him. I swear those flippers, they had a heavy investment in the barbecue grill flipper and didn't want to lose their investment on that. I think they should have just give it away anyway. <laughs> <laughs> well, he was certainly cooked by the end of it. Um, sorry, Jason, if you're listening, I I know it must have been painful for you. He remains, as you have put here for my my statistical enjoyment, one of only five relievers of all time to give up four home runs in a single inning because most managers have removed the pitcher by that point and it's like it's also again another one where it wasn't like he gave up four in a row it was home run out out home run home run home run even after the <laughs> second home run someone would be like firing up as fast as they could oh <clears throat> uh, i think that there were not very many pitches in those at bats as i recall though i don't know if there was that no. much time to work it out yeah, it was it was unfortunate. I remember we I, I was playing a game, but we had it on in the radio on our dugout, and it was just like, oh my god. <laughs> yeah, is is this really happening? Yes, yes, it's really happening. Yep. Okay. Uh, this means we've rolled around to that part of the podcast where I like to give you an opportunity to give me your final thought. So um, I was gonna. My final thought was originally going to be uh, just a little note about. Steve Pierce, you know, back to two two walk-off grand slams, but they're not individual games, so they're not as noteworthy on their own. But I'm actually – we were talking about wins probably added before, and I know you're going to have something to talk about, which is a little more fun. But Roberto Osuna holds the record for the lowest wins probably added in a, in a game for the Blue Jays, negative 9.96. So basically 96% chance of winning when he entered the game and they lost. It was against the 2017 Astros. So I think we can put some asterisks next to that one. <laughs> Maybe not all his fault. Yeah. Maybe. Uh, yeah, my final thought is actually about Juan Francisco, who uh, he was certainly a lot of fun when he was with the Blue Jays before people once again figured out that he could not hit the curveball. Um, but on August 10th, 2014, he had what I would have to assume was the weirdest bad day of his career. Um, he did not start the game. He entered the game. We've actually, this game is the 19 inning game, is it not? August 10th, 2014. I think we already mentioned it as one of our other. It came oh, up before. 
Possibly um, we did, yes. So Juan Francisco entered this game in the eighth inning as a pinch hitter and proceeded to... So this is the game that Melky got on base eight times. Right. So while Melky's busy doing that, Juan Francisco <laughs> strikes out with nobody on, reducing the Blue Jays' chance of winning by 6%. Then he bats with two outs and the base is loaded in the ninth, the following inning. And he strikes out, reducing the Jays' chances of winning by 15%. He bats in the bottom of the 12th again with a man on second. He walks, increasing the chances of the Blue Jays winning by 1%. Then he grounds out to lead off the bottom of the 14th, reducing their chances by 6%. Grounds out with the bases loaded to end the bottom of the 15th, reducing their chances by 15%. Lines out again with two men on in the bottom of the 17th, reducing their chances to win by 7%. He cost the Blue Jays a half a win in a game he didn't even play the first seven innings of. (laughs) He had exactly one positive contribution, which was to take a walk with... A man on second. Yep. Um, that's kind of completely goofy. And then again, the Jays they won. won the game. It's okay. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's one of the, one of the goofier nonsense games in Blue Jays history, clearly. Oh, <laughs> uh, the stuff you find when you're calling through play index. I should say final, final thought. Uh, which is a bunch of you nice folks support us on patreon www.patreon.com slash turf pod um this has been a very strange time and a bunch of you are still being very gracious and contributing to the patreon and josh and i have thought about it um both of us think that it would be best if um we took the patreon contributions from the last month um and we gave them to charity uh all in all all in part i'm trying to say the whole thing yeah (laughs) all of it um i i'm thinking uh maybe food bank um would be appropriate at this time with people struggling and uh, a lot of people out of work so just know that we are going to do a little bit that way um and you know until things are back to normal until baseball's back um i think we're planning on doing that every month right josh that is correct all right so once again thank you for your contribution that contribution is going to go to help some people in need so we appreciate all of that and uh yeah we'll get to the part where i say you have been joshua Housem at joshua Housem, and i have been greg wisniewski at coolhead 2010 and this has been artificial turf wars episode number 173 and we'll be back before baseball is i guarantee it mm-hmm.